Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN and Hover. And one month. Wow. Wow. We got three of them tonight. Woohoo. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. I'm Simone DeRoche for video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm joined today by Brianna Wu, Democratic representative for con- candidate. 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 Not Candidate. representative yet. How many times have I made that mistake for Congress? And Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Developer Advocate at Microsoft. Which I, I hear is how they do want me to pronounce it from now on. Yeah. That, that that's is. The you, way you, that's you need correct. to have the pause in between Microsoft. Soft. Yeah, oh. that's exactly it. Yeah. We're finally all back on our regular setups. Back in no. our homes? No, I'm in a hotel. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> Brianna. I am. That's why I'm on a headset this week. I you sound good. Shoot. Okay, I'm glad. <laughs> you know, it was Twit that bought me this headset, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm rolling with it. There Thank we go. you, Leo. Thank you, Lisa. That's awesome. <laughs> That's very nice. Yes. Okay. <sighs> well, should we dive right into it? We Let's should. All right. So, uh, fun news from stock markets today. Apple oh. has lowered its Q1 projections, saying that revenue could fall by up to $9 billion, which is an extremely large number. And they, uh, Tim Cook indicated to investors in a letter that this is due to the iPhones not selling as well as they wanted them to with an ex- especially significant uh, lack of sales in the Chinese market. This is something that we covered when analysts first started reporting on it as a very well-founded rumor uh, from our analyst friends, not our analyst friends, the analysts who everyone uses. And uh, Apple had at that time begun prominently advertising the big trade-in deals for the iPhone 7s, which, as we discussed on that episode, is an affront to Steve Jobs' memory and he would never do it. I'm choking myself right now. So anyway, now the news is out like this. This is confirmed. The low sales are true. And because of that, Apple suffered a large stop drop, stock drop today. Uh, their stock. Did you say stop drop? I said stop drop. I like that. Thank you. I like, I it like too. that stop drop. You're welcome. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have blessed your ears. So <laughs> 10% stock stock drop. Um, and we're going to talk about another company who has a stock drop later. But for now, let us focus on Apple. $9 million sounds like a lot billion, to me. Billion. I said billion. billion. Yeah. I said billion. Okay. okay. Sorry. I thought I heard million. Sorry. Sorry. Just slurring my words, Christina. So that's a big number. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack here. And before we start this topic, I just want to say I, I feel like we've kicked this iPhone like quite a bit on this show. Yeah, I don't want it to be like another, another round of Let's Kick Apple. Uh, but that said, this is... This is big news. This is yeah. this is really stunning stuff. I mean, Christina, kind of, what was your take on it? Yeah, so I'm actually going to send this to you, Simone. I did a little tweet thread. And first, Ooh. I need to, to note, just to be clear, uh, just so everybody is not confused, um, my opinions are my own. They do not represent the company I work for, Microsoft, um, or uh, and I'm not a spokesperson for my company. Uh, we're not direct competitors in, in a way that's that's uh, like notable here. Obviously, uh, Microsoft's phone efforts have not worked out. Um, but I, I, I just, I just want to point that out because I, I you know, want to uh, foresee any biases, but these are all my opinions, strictly my own. Um, like you said, this is a big deal. And, and certainly, you know, 
regardless of of this kind of um you know change in in um uh projections um it does nothing to diminish the fact that Apple remains one of the uh, most valuable companies in the world and and certainly I believe probably one of the most profitable um it, but you know this is still a big deal as as you said um I think the last time that this happened was 2002 and that was in the midst of a very bad uh tech recession and, and downturn that affected the entire industry so it's been you know 15 and a half years since they had to make any sort of uh, changes to to their projections. It's also notable that Apple, you know, historically, this has changed a little bit as they've had to make some adjustments, has been really conservative with their earnings projections. Um, so much to the fact that it's actually kind of hurt them because the market would anticipate even greater returns because Apple would always overdo um, their their own earnings estimates. Mm. Um, so the fact that that not only are they you know like adjusting things by you know ten percent, but they are um, uh, re- re- you know but they're a conservative you know usually on on the conservative side of that um, is notable and. Um, you know, Apple, Tim Cook has has been, you know, he has to be at the front of this. This is a big deal. So he's been on CNBC and he's been kind of talking about this. And um, a lot of the big, uh, you know, uh, blame that this is getting is is from the the Chinese economy because there's been a lot of turbulence in China. There are also some trade issues that impact, you know, the the, the value of the dollar and things like that. Um, and and so that's been kind of blamed with with the sales. But I think that's only part of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, Actually, can I ask you a question right sure. here? Because like, in your Twitter thread, which is excellent, everyone should read it, you said you agreed with friend of the show, Jason Snell, that that was, like, there are many variables here, but you, you agreed that that was the main variable. That's not my take. I'm, I'm curious why you think that is the main thing driving this. Well, I think that what's happened is that the success and the growth that's happened in China has hidden maybe some other issues that have happened in their more established markets. Okay. So, so what I think has happened is that when the China, when the Chinese market, for whatever reason, whether it's economic downturn, whether it's mispricing, whether it's competition from you know um, a, a, a Chinese a native sellers like like a, a Oppo and Huawei and OnePlus and Xiaomi and and um, and and others is you know, aiding and, and, and ZTE is aiding to that, that could be part of it. But um, I feel like what's happened for a long time is that the um, overarching growth of the Chinese market and kind of the influx of capital that happens when, even if it's happening with small populations, when you have such a large, big population, even as a small percentage, it's a lot of people, that that growth has hidden what may, what trends might have been happening in other regions. Okay, and I would agree with that. I would so, agree with that. So yeah. I would say that in this case, yes, it probably is the big factor is that China, which has been kind of the, you know, Apple has been saying for probably five or six years, you know, is one of their most, if not their most important market. When they have issues, that's going to impact everything. Because yeah. if that's going to be your growth driver, if that's what you are kind of betting on to sell the number of phones you need to sell. And if that goes away, then anything that that was covering up becomes clearly visible. And, and I think that's what's happened here. No, I think that's fair. You know, when Apple finally really started making the iPhone in China, like sold it there, made the compromises that they had to make there, it was like it was a huge infusion. It was a wildly successful uh, quarter for them, wildly successful year. And we talked about on the show how that was going to mask problems that they were going to have down the line because it was like this one giant market 
that opened up. They were massively successful. And I, I could be remembering this wrong, but it was an S year where that happened. And I remember thinking at the time, like, this is not going to last forever. So I could I could definitely agree with that. And I also think the, you know, obviously Trump's trade war with China, it's Without going into all mm. kinds of industries. Yes, totally. And then part of it, and I don't know how much impact this this drives me because they talk about the, the strength of the dollar. And some people might hear that and go, oh, well, the dollar is strong, then Apple should be in a good position. What people don't understand uh, is that Apple keeps a tremendous amount of cash offshore uh, for, for tax reasons and for other reasons. And so when the dollar is higher, that means that they... Um, the bets that they might be making on currencies and other things don't pay off. It's it's very mm. similar to, you know, like airlines who who make bets on what the price of, of gasoline is going to be. And and when we you know when oil goes up or down, that can impact even if it looks like it's going to be a positive boat, oil is, has, you know, dropped in price. Um, you know, uh, if, if you made a bet where it was going to be higher per barrel, then that's a bad thing. Um, or the contrary, it's gone up in price. But if you made a bet that it was going to be a certain thing and, and you've projected costs based on a certain, you know, like uh, algorithm, it can, it can be bad. So, you know, part of it is going to be the currency stuff. And that's historically been an area where Apple has maybe sometimes missed earnings where they're like, okay, we didn't really miss because the, a lot of this can be attributed to, um, you know, just a, um, a fluctuation based on um, currency valuation. But I think that, that it's kind of a perfect storm. You have, uh, Tim Cook is acknowledging this, in established markets, meaning the United States, uh, you have lesser sales and, and people mm-hmm. keeping phones longer. And then you also have, by their own admission, a, a drop in sales based on, on on projections in China. And then the big question that, that the analysts and pundits, and I'm going to count all of us uh, amongst the, the punditry there, have to kind of unravel is what is the rationale? Is it simply the economic, um, uh, you know, position or is it something else with the way the, the, the products are being positioned and priced? Well, I mean, I would say, you know, obviously we are pundits. We're going to be able to speak about the American market best. And I also just want to take a second and say, you know, Apple said that if they got these giant tax cuts, that they would repatriate some of their money. I just wanted us to take a moment and reflect that now that the dollar's stronger. That's not something that they are, hmm. that, you know, that's a whole nother argument that we can have here. Uh, but I do want to say the, the iPhone here in the United States, I think it's really fair to say it, the, these cost increases have really caught up to them, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. You know, like the the phone, like the base iPhone XS that is, you know, it's it's in the middle as far as the storage on it. It's the 256, if I remember correctly. That is the one I think most reasonable people would look at it and get. And it is $1,149. And then if you get the Apple Care on top of that, mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot more. And you've got to get the Apple Care. That is a lot to charge for a phone. That is an amazing amount. And they don't they didn't bring out a successor to the iPhone SE. And the iPhone XR, even though it's a I think it's a good value for what you get, it's still not a budget priced phone. Right. So Right. Yeah. The argument the, yeah. the argument that I made on Twitter was that, you know, I think for a lot of people, the 10 was kind of anomaly. And we were kind of expecting that that would be an anomaly. Like, this is kind of a one-off. This is priced really high, but you're getting all these other things. They still sold, you know, an 8 and an 8 Plus. So the 8 starting at $649 and, and, and the 8 Plus starting at, at, at $749 or $799 or whatever the price may be. And um, and then you had this this $1,000 phone. But, but it was kind of understood. It's like, well, that's, that's kind of a, a different thing. 
And then this year, you know, the 10R starts at, at $749, and then you have the, the 10S at 999 and, and the, the, the 10S Max at, at $1099, and those are for the lower storage options, still 64 gigs, but whatever. Um, as you said, you've got to pay more if you want to get more storage. And that's now putting people in a completely different price category. And so whereas like a lot of people still have six the, the, the success. And I've kind of picked that as being like almost kind of the de facto iPhone. I know that the six and six plus might have sold better, but I feel like over time the success has kind of been like the peak iPhone because that was the moment where you had, you know, you had 3D touch, you had really good processing power, you had a really good camera, you could do, you know, a 4K video and it had rose gold. I definitely um, agreed and, with that assessment. Yeah, it, it does feel you know, that was like, like the, perfect the point phone. where the upgrades were very necessary. That was a very exciting update. And everything since then has kind of been like, here are some eh, good things. Exactly. But it doesn't and, and, feel like that's vital. Right. And the thing is, is that if you paid, say, you know, $650, $700, whatever, for the the 6S, um, that's to get, in your mind, like whether you got the small or the big one, like that was to get the highest end iPhone. Now, three years later, you're being told, okay, well, to get the highest end iPhone, you have to spend... Mm-hmm. A thousand dollars, and your so, other fantastic point in this tweet thread is that phones are not luxury devices; they're no, they're, they're things commodities. that we need. So, exactly. limiting yourself to the what feels like a luxury phone because there are no cheap options here it it, it feels strange in twenty eighteen slash nineteen. Totally. And, and I think this is actually one of the reasons why they might be having issues in China, in addition to just some of the financial turmoil in that country, tumult in that country, is that, you know, China is not um, loyal the way that they that we are in the United States um, and, and even in Europe. Like Apple has really high customer loyalty in most of its markets. And in China, they probably have higher loyalty than other brands. But in China, people tend to be really price loyal and they tend to be like they like whatever they think is newest. And they are very quick to switch to whatever they want. And because of the way that the the ecosystem of, of services and softwares work, obviously they have some of that in China, but it's not to the same degree that they have in the United States. Um, you know, people are going to be much more likely, especially if the phones are priced out of their range for whatever reasons there might be, you know, whether it's, it's, it's you know, the, the downturn in the economy or just, you know, them being too expensive, whatever, they're more willing to be like, I don't need this. Mm-hmm. Um, you, we haven't seen that as much in the U.S., but... No, I was just going to say, I wonder how iMessage must work in China, like with the, you know, the, the two-way encryption on there so no one can, like, listen in on those messages. Yeah, and, I wonder and if, like, they had to disable that they in did. that market. Yeah. They did. They did, actually. Um, huh. And, and, and uh, you know, um, I don't know if the, the encryption is disabled. I know that it is for the iCloud backup. I'm not sure if it is for the two-way huh. iMessage communications, but I know for iCloud right. that was – originally it wasn't, and then after they'd already – launched Apple Music and some of the other things. They said, if you want to keep your services, you have to get rid of these things. That was also part of the VPN ban and some of the other things. So if you're, you know, what people always say is, now, if you are in a country, if if your account is based in a country that doesn't have those rules and you go to China and you use it, then it's encrypted. But if you sign up for an account in China, then it's not. Um, But the big thing there... that's a huge part of lock-in, right? uh, Like iMessages, like all of that. And and, and because, you know, the iPhone was relatively late to China, you know, I think it was really the 5C, but it was really the 6 was the first one that was on China Mobile and a lot of the really big carriers, like where the flagship was available, like day one. Um, Because it was relatively late to China, um, you have this emergence of WeChat, you have, um, you know, which is huge. And, and that's what people use. So you have these third-party ecosystems that are far larger than what 
Apple has. And so you're right, mm. that lock-in. Um, uh, uh, ben Thompson actually wrote something about it in, in 2017. Uh, John Gruber linked to it. I'm just looking now, um, just a little bit before the show, um, where he kind of talked about um, the, um, uh, you know, the some of the issues about the about the non-existent lock-in in China. And Ben is based in Asia, so he has a really good read on the market for for that reason. And, um, you know, I think that that's true, right? So, like, you're talking about you don't have some of the same, um, I guess, advantages. But beyond that, like everybody's using these third-party services. Like, 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 uh, you know, Tencent is really huge there. Alibaba is really huge there. The Apple stuff doesn't isn't going to push the needle. So, price becomes a big determining feature, and also what looks new. And so, you know, some of the arguments have been, well, the iPhone 10 sold really well in China because it looked totally new, whereas the 10s and the 10s Max and even the 10R all look the same. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to drive. Um, uh, sales as much, but I, but I, I kind of feel like even if you know, but it had they had a totally radical radical redesign. I don't know what they would have sold. You know, I, I I like look at the iPhone 10 and I feel like that's an anomaly, and and then that was incorrectly used as a baseline. I had a thought about this actually because I think they they mentioned in uh, the CNBC article or Tim Cook said they had a hundred million uh, install based growth over the last year, and I I looked at that and I thought I bet i bet those are iphone 10 sales yeah, they're definitely yeah and look 100 million is huge but you have to think about you know there are like 1.6 billion people in china yeah and so, they're certainly not upgrading to the new phone <laughs> right so so this to me is the really damning part of this story coming out and i didn't know this until you told it to me christina that they had in this quarter already adjusted their earnings down twice They'd adjusted their earnings twice, and then they come out with this. Like that is, that is truly stunning to me. Like, you know that that to me says that they 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 had these constraints. They made some projections, and they really just could not. Like, you have to imagine them trying to like turn this around or figure out ways to sell it, and they just couldn't. That's really shocking to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, actually, it's funny. Somebody just uh, I, I'm getting in a thread right now with people about, um, you know, the the importance of, of WeChat being the ultimate smartphone equalizer in, um, uh, you know, China, and and the fact that the the, the Apple Store WeChat and the non China Apple We Store uh, WeChat are very different apps, and that, oh. um, and and that that makes a big deal, and so that's one of the reasons, and, and that becomes more important. I mean, and, and that makes sense, right? Like, I mean, we we've seen kind of that impact in other places. Um, if you have like kind of a defining app that that makes things, the difference here is that because of various rules and whatnot, like just Apple doesn't have that that buy-in. But you're right, Brie, going back to your point, I mean, the fact they've had to kind of make alterations about and, and you know, downtrend, like what they're going to be reporting is bad. And, and John Gruber pointed this out in his analysis, which I thought was really good. You know, this is a really bad quarter for Apple to have to do this because this is the first time they're not going to be reporting phone sales. And mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of us assumed that the reason they weren't going to be reporting sales was because unit figures would be down, but they, they would make up for it with revenue figures, right? And in this case, what's happening is the revenue figures aren't going to match either. But if we actually saw unit figures, I mean, it'd be really bad. Um, again, this doesn't I mean, I'm not saying Apple is doomed because obviously they're not, right? No, like, no, not not even close. They're they're a hugely successful company. They will continue to succeed. This is bad though, and and I think this is potentially you know bad for the whole kind of market. My my final kind of point in my my long winded thread was that because we're basically at a point where smartphones are basically commodities, we need that next thing to kind of push 
things forward. And so some companies, you know, Facebook being one of them, um, are, 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 you know, betting big on AR and VR. And, and obviously Apple seems to be trying to do that too. But, you know, until there's a killer app for that, I don't, there's not really any conclusive proof that the market is going to respond to, to that. But we need, like, there needs to be some other sort of advancement happening to get people to buy phones. Because at this point, everybody has a phone. And for better or worse, they're good enough. And so when Tim Cook is saying that part of the reason people in the U.S. aren't upgrading as much is they'd rather get a cheap battery upgrade, that's, that's, that's something I want to talk about, though. Sure. This is fascinating. No, continue, please. I was just going to say, because they think that everybody's going to, like, you know, is, is, it, is it cheap battery? You know, upgrade will, will do enough. That, to me, is indicative. In some ways, it's almost like Apple's been too successful, right? Like, their processors are so far ahead of the game. The apps are still, you know, working really well that somebody can have a three-year-old device and it can be just fine. All they really need is a battery replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so... I, I think that combined with some of the pricing missteps and, and the messaging missteps with the 10R is is why you haven't seen, at least in um, you know the, the the developed world, why you know they've maybe struggled some. Um, you know, just say nothing of, of you know China, which is a different market. But to but to go back to you know the other markets like the United States, I think one of the reasons why they probably haven't seen the success they've expected is because. A, it's hard for people to to justify the price of a phone. They see rightly or wrongly the 10R as being the crappy iPhone, whether that's fair or unfair. And then, you know, their current phone works just fine. And if they can get an inexpensive upgrade for the battery, that's going to fix it. Yeah. So, Bree, what is what are your feelings on the his battery upgrade comment? I mean, I thought that was a truly stunning admission from Tim Cook. And you know, here on the show, we are on the record that when the internet was melting down from people saying, oh, Apple is throttling the battery and not telling users about it because it wants to drive them to go buy new iPhones. I mean, it, this makes it sound like there's some truth to that. Like people are yeah. like they're. I mean, it, it it gives the conspiracy more credence. I personally still don't believe that, but you're I right; don't it either. totally gives it more I credence. I don't either. But the the bottom line here, this tells a more complete story that there are people out there that once their battery is fixed, and if they can, you know, fix it, weighs a hundred bucks, something like that, to get like, your battery it's, it, replaced. It's like it used to be twenty nine, and I think now it's finally going to be seventy nine. So it's it's an inexpensive upgrade. This yeah. was actually the point that I made on Twitter, which is not so much that I think that people were throttled and that's why they were buying a, a, a new phone because their phone was slow. I think people were buying new phones because their battery wasn't working. I yeah. think what the what happened when they had the, you know, they had to do the recall and do the battery replacement program, I think what that did was that in some ways like advertised to people uh-huh. out there, oh, I can just get my battery replaced. I don't <laughs> think that, like, 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 I think a lot of regular people didn't know that. You know, maybe some people would go to like a, you know, a, 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 a generic phone repair place and get their battery replaced. But most people would wait until their battery was like, you know, it would last 30 minutes. And maybe they would use that as an excuse to buy a new phone, whatever. But once it becomes like either a free thing under warranty or it's only $29 and you're reading about it everywhere, you're like, oh, well, why don't I just get my battery replaced? Yeah, And then you do and you're like, oh, well, my phone is fine. Can't hurt to try. Oh, wait. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. But this is one of the things I've really got to disagree with Gruber, who wrote a really solid piece about this. Um, you know, he said that the iPhone does not have an innovation crisis. Mm. And I really have to disagree with that. The 10, yeah, the 10 and the 10, uh, the 10 S are fantastic phones. The 10 is really a huge upgrade from, you know, the phones that came before that. 
But I really do think we're at a point where, I mean, this isn't an opinion. It's a fact. Like, tell consumers that you've got a better camera, a little bit better display. They just don't care Mm -hmm. as much as they used to. And I do think there's... I think Apple puts out a fantastic product, and I think for people like us, I I read things like a machine learning dedicated chip inside my iPhone, and I'm really impressed with that. I mean, I love when I can type dog into all of my photos and it can go find that (laughs) for me. But that's not something you can freaking sell a phone with to a mass market. Not today, and And not for $1,000. No, not for $1,149. I do think there's an innovation crisis. I hope they can double down. I hope they can come up with something to really launch a flagship with next year. But the biggest priority, they've got to bring out a lower cost line of phones for people. They need to bring back the 10S. They need to design. There's a group of people out there that feel very strongly that they prefer the smaller form factor. You mean the SE? You mean the SE? SE. Yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah. I, I have that for my call time phone. It's a great phone. Yeah, yeah. I think, and, and, it, and it and it was a hugely popular phone in India. Um, and and uh, you know, so yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I personally feel like they maybe miscalculated. They thought that they could sell. This is just intuition, not based on anything. Um that maybe they thought that because of the success of the 10, that they could continue to to make this new price point with the understanding that people are going to keep their phones longer. And they said, okay, well, this is what a phone costs now. And um, this is how we maintain our margins. This is how we maintain our revenue quarter after quarter, even though we sell fewer. Um, but I feel like the pricing puts people in a position where they're just not willing to go there. And, and so even lowering $100, I think would help. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I feel like this comes back to the 10R really, because if you can have that expensive phone that is a luxury or it's something that big tech nerds like you and Brie buy, but then you have to have the other one that kind of, that, that is for the people who are like, oh, I'll try it. Like maybe it's my first time with an Apple phone, I'll try it. Or maybe I'm coming back to an Apple phone, I'll try it. Like, because I can afford it and it's not this massive investment. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. But I also feel like even even without that, I wonder the more I think about this, the more I wonder if this two-tiered pricing strategy just doesn't work. Like maybe it worked yeah, one time for the Tim. That's a good point because maybe the production is just is un, is untenable to or, produce or, or, or me- yeah, all those models. Right. Or or maybe just from a from a like a a, a supply dynamic just from like customers, like mm-hmm. you can't have those two tiers. Like you you yeah. uh, if you do, then you have to have that one outlier and then the other ones that look the same. Like I almost feel like they need to go they really what they in my opinion, what they need to aim for, um, whether it means cutting margin or or maybe just not, you know, using the latest, greatest stuff that they could do, I don't really know. But they need to get to a point where they can sell the 10S for what they sold a 6S for and the the 10S max what they sold a six plus for. Do you think that seeing prices drop like that obviously that would be great for me my wallet and my trust in apple but um do you think that that would have a positive would that leave a positive impression on the broader public to see that okay they're selling their so-called good phones now but for 650 yeah i i I think you don't think it would look shady I mean, it might at first. I think if you, I think you can't lower the price of the existing phones. I think that when you come out with like whatever the successor is, mm-hmm. if you yeah. drop them considerably, I think that would work. Um, I, you know, and, and getting into pricing, I don't want to get a whole thing about it. We talked about it last week, but like I feel like right now, and I've talked about this for two years. I feel like Apple pricing is is too high. 
um, yeah, across yeah. the board. I feel like the watch is correctly priced. AirPods are correctly priced. The services are correctly priced. Um, I, I feel like, and, and, oh, in the iPad, the non-pro iPad. I feel like everything I think else. the iPad Pro is a little overpriced, I, I agree, have to but, say. But, I agree with yeah. you, but I think that the 349 iPad, yeah, the non-pro, no, fine. is fine. That's I think fine. the iPad is fine. I think that uh, the Apple Watch is fine. I think AirPods are fine. And I think that like what they charge for Apple Music, iCloud, whatever, that's fine. I think that when you look at the iPad Pro, the Apple TV, HomePod, all the various MacBooks, iMac, everything, I think that's you know, the phones, I think those are mispriced right now. I think that they're, they're, they're too high, not by a lot, but by enough that it's pushed people into this. This was, I, I think this was a term that Gruber coined. I don't know, um, you know, like, like kind of, um, you know, attainable luxury to, <laughs> are you serious? And, yeah. and that's a problem. And, and when you become kind of known as the, there's like too expensive to even look at that to me would be more scary than, mm-hmm making you know having to make a modification of, of your your results for one quarter and on top of that you're that selling changes perception like the these laptops like the new macbooks and the new macbook pros and everything for expensive prices and then the people who are the target market for that us are kind of are lukewarm on them because we feel that they're not as good well we feel like they're not as good and we also feel like there's not the value because what you used to always be able to kind of make the argument on and you can with it well you can with some products but it's getting left and less but you used to always be able to say dollars to dollars if i compare the the cost of the components mm-hmm. this apple product is going to cost about the same as this product from another manufacturer um there's not a way for me to get something that's the equal components equal build quality whatever and that's not true anymore across no, the board. That's not. true for some things, but it's not true across the board. And that's the difference because they've now raised prices, in my opinion, and gone to a point where you're like, wait a minute, what am I paying for? Yeah. And as as I think as as the web browser and as you know the internet becomes more important than other things, it's like, okay, so you have iMessage lock-in, but what else are you paying for? And so for a lot of people, I think that's why they're like, well, I don't want to pay $750 for the crappy iPhone and I can't afford to spend $1,000 or $1,100 for the good iPhone. So I'm just going to keep my old iPhone, which runs fine for another year. And that's a problem. I, I would argue, I, I, I think there needs to be a lower mid-tier phone, like a good phone, this price like the 5C was. That was a good price for, for people that are price sensitive to come in and get a good product. I think for the high-end phones, though, like the whatever the equivalent of the 10s Max is going to be next year, I I personally don't think that like $1,149, though, it's higher on that phone. But like over $1,000, I don't think that's too much to pay for the Max or that size phone. I mean, you're essentially talking about a mini computer at that you're point. You're not wrong. I, yeah. You're not, you're not wrong, but I feel like what you have to kind of put in perspective, at least from my opinion, because you're not wrong, is some people can take that 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 attack is that let's say you had a 6s plus yeah. and then you're going to a 10s max now in your mind you used to have the most high-end apple phone yeah. and it was you know 749 dollars now yeah, it's okay. 11.99 and that's, that's what i'm saying so even if you're even if you're adding all these other features even if you're making it better even if apple can make the argument this is great for the way people use their phones like i said most people are fine with the camera they want you know like they're replacing their phone because their battery dies or their screen breaks not because the phone is too slow not because the camera sucks um and so i think that when you talk about the innovation problem and and i, I I don't necessarily disagree, but I would I would say that if Apple has struggles with that, 
every single company in the phone space is struggling with that. Well, of course they um, do. And, and, and Apple, I would say, is at least with, with, with Face ID and some other things like ahead of the, 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 the game. But I feel like to, to my what, what I'd made in my thread, like I feel like that's why we're kind of waiting for whatever that next thing is, because we've reached a plateau with everything is good enough that to get people to upgrade requires even more effort. And if you don't have enough to show for it from a software or a feature standpoint, and it's more expensive, that's really hard. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm going to bring back really briefly a question that I brought up, I think, last week or the week before, which is the yearly cycle. I feel like it would look very bad. Obviously, with their sales this year, they can't skip a, a year of iPhone. But do we think it would be better if everyone just stopped trying to put out new phones that do not push technology forward every year and charging $1,000 for them. You know what? I think that's a great point. I, I I think when you brought this up before, I was like hesitant, but seeing how this is, that might actually work better. And it might make people feel like their investment, when they make the investment, they might feel like, okay, I'm, I'm investing $1,100 into this, but it's not going to come out in two years. But let Apple shine more of a spotlight across their entire like product spectrum. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. this year it could be the iPad pro is the gadget. The Apple's bringing out that they're really putting care into that. They're marketing it. It could let them like, like let other products have some of the, the, the spotlight. But at the same time, I just think like Apple is so dependent on the iPhone. I mean, they're so dependent on it. And I feel like an Apple that doesn't capture the public imagination every single year with a keynote is an Apple that's going to lose its gloss and wonder in a lot of other ways. Mm. So I think, I mean, I will tell you for me personally, now that I've sat out a year um, I can, you know, S stands for sham. I can see myself <laughs> sitting it out again, you know, like I feel like I've made this commitment. It was a good decision. I don't regret it. You know, maybe consumers will be the ones deciding that from now on. All right. Well, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by ExpressVPN. We've Woo-hoo. seen a lot and talked a lot about online security breaches over the last many years. So it is only natural to worry about where your data goes, especially when something as simple as sending an email can put your private information at risk or clicking on a link (laughs) that your hacked friend sent you in Skype, which I did not do because I was cautious. No, you didn't, but but chances are someone like Stephen Hackett might have sent you one, right? (laughs) Is that who you're talking about? Is that who you're talking (laughs) about? Because that's who I'm talking about. Uh, I saw it, I looked at it, and I was like, Stephen, what is this? Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, (laughs) and then I saw he changed his bio, and I was like, I did the right thing. Good job, me. And then I winked at myself in the mirror. But anyway, the problem, (laughs) let's, let's let's go back to all the other ways that your data can be stolen from you. Chances are you are being tracked. Ha ha, chances. 100% for absolutely chance. You are being (laughs) tracked by social media sites, marketing companies, maybe even your internet provider. And not only can they record your browsing history, they can also sell it to people who want to profit off of all those beautiful vintage 1930s dresses you're looking at. Or again, if if you're still listening to Facebook, um, affordable velvet clothing. (laughs) I'll talk about that experiment in a minute. You can take back your privacy with ExpressVPN. 
ExpressVPN works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing. It encrypts your data. It hides your public IP address. You can turn on ExpressVPN protection with just one click. The easy-to-use apps run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. And it costs less than $7 a month. ExpressVPN uh, was rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. Uh, it even comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you can do something nasty for a month, and no one will know about it. They don't endorse that. I do. <laughs> if, you, if you ever use public Wi-Fi uh, and want to, like, stay safe, you need ExpressVPN. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kristen, you have used the service. I have. And I have to say, like, um, some VPN services will slow your internet down. And that can sometimes be, like, a reason why you might not want to use it because you have to... How it works is, you know, you're tunneling the connection. Like, you're making a connection to the VPN, and then it's making the connection to the websites. And so sometimes it can it can slow things down. But um, it, this one doesn't. And so if you're looking for, you know, something to use that will keep your internet speeds, you know, as fast as they need to be, and also encrypt your data and not track stuff, because a lot of ISPs, not my ISP, but a lot of other ISPs, including really big ones, I'm not going to say their names because I don't want to be sued, you know, uh-huh. will track your information and now it's legal for them to do so, um, that's a good idea. Or if you're ever, you know, out in public, like if you're, you know, at, at Starbucks or if you're at the airport where I am very frequently and you connect to those free Wi-Fi hotspots, those things are usually not encrypted. And so everything you're sending across, unless you're connected specifically to like a, an SSL website, is sending all those bytes out in the open. And so it's a good thing to use, whether, you know, you're at the coffee shop, whether you're on your own computer or whatever. But what I can say about uh, Express was that I was very impressed with the speed, which for me is often one of the more important parts of the VPN service. Because if if I've got lag, then like, what's the point? I'm not going to use it. Yeah, it just becomes frustrating. And I know you're traveling so much, so that must be very oh, nice yeah, I, for you. And oh, actually, wow. that's a good point. I hadn't even thought of that is that, yeah, you might be traveling in countries where regimes that have different, like, Ah, privacy things. Yeah. So if, if if you are in a place where you are, might be more concerned about what's being monitored and what's not, a VPN is a really good way to fight the power. There are there are a million reasons this is a good product. I mean, and just absolutely. Like if you travel a lot, this is something you want. I mean, a lot of the time I use my iPhone for a hotspot because it's like I trust my cell service provider more than I might trust the the hotel that I'm at, right? Totally. But with this, you would feel more comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Well, if you are interested, if you don't want your online history in the hands of your internet provider or data data resellers or some some rando at the airport, ExpressVPN is the answer. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free with a one-year package at expressvpn.com slash rocket. That is expressvpn, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash rocket for three extra months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash rocket to learn more. Thank you so much to ExpressVPN for your support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. I'm going to heckin' use this because I'm, I'm literally going to um france tomorrow oh uh, yeah to visit my yay. dad so this is so convenient <laughs> that's I, awesome yay and and, and can and, we and, say on the podcast that your mom's the pictures from your mom's wedding that was so beautiful oh my see. god I sh- so we should sweet. talk about yes. that in the what we did this week section because it is a saga yay yay oh my gosh okay uh, but while we're wow let's let's keep i love talking about stocks with you guys I almost wish that there were another 
big sort of like stock market juicy story that we could talk about this week. Do you guys know of anything like that? Well, what's Elon been up to? You know, he is our favorite. Oh, Elon, hang on. Let me check. Oh, my God, you guys. Listen to this news that Fido just brought me from the yard. Tesla's stocks <laughs> were down around, <laughs> they were down around 8%. And apparently, I'm, I'm getting reports in that it's because they have, of course, repeatedly failed to hit production goals for the Tesla Model 3s. Um, and the drop coincides with two other things that are just happening in Tesla land, which is that the federal tax break for Tesla customers is running out because they have sold 200,000 models. Sucks for everyone. And because of that, their credit is going to gradually phase out. So those are normal things that are happening to the business. Uh, what is concerning people, I think, is just this the ping-ponging of Tesla's production numbers as they drop production of the cars and then they're they're ramping it back up again and they they have just not managed to hit that i think it was five thousand units per month or something that they wanted to be getting out um our technica and their write-up said that uh the they are bringing it they have been bringing up the numbers recently which indicates that they're trying to get as many cars out the door as possible before 2018 ended I, I read that and I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, so you weren't hitting these numbers before, but now you're doing it faster. And that makes me feel great about you producing cars. But the story of the, the my, my, my concerns about tes- Tesla's production speed notwithstanding, their stocks have dropped 8% because of their, their troubles. So I I feel and love to get your opinion on this, but I feel like they got appled, you know, like oh. held to an unfair held to an unfair standard here. Yeah. Um, you know, like look, Tesla is dealing with safety things at the factory. They're very very serious. We've covered them on Rocket. People are getting permanently disfigured there, and I don't want them rushing production in order to meet some goal. They're, they're getting more of these cars out. As far as the federal tax credit, like that sunsetting, that's the wrong move. We need to be like, if anything, we need to be expanding like our moves to, you know, electric vehicles and like moving off the incur- internal combustion engine. But like this whole thing, it just like God knows we've critiqued Tesla on this show. And I just like the, sometimes the stock market gets it wrong. You know, Faraday had a story mm-hmm. this week. So Faraday, if you oh don't my know, God, it's a Tesla a competitor. Yeah, it's like a higher-end Tesla, uh, $2 billion in like Chinese stocks, and they're trying to save this company. It's a uh, burning tire fire. Uh, yes. Echo, which which, uh, which uh, frequent listeners might know about my uh, foray into that, uh, was a, a predominant owner. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, yeah. It's an ish show. Go on. That's, that's a company with some issues. Tesla... Mm being a little bit slow to hit production goals, they're moving in the right direction, guys. They are clearly moving in the right direction. And the, you know, the, the Trump administration is not going to last forever. So I, I feel like this is one of the few times I personally, I'm not endorsing this as a candidate for office, but I'm saying if I were talking about stocks, I was going to buy, 
this is a time I would feel comfortable about considering a company like Tesla. Do you know what I mean? I agree with your macro point that Tesla is often held to unfair standards. Now, I think that one of the differences between Tesla and Apple is that I think, uh, you know, like Apple has proven itself many <laughs> yeah. times, whereas, yeah. where, whereas, you know, Elon just likes to, you know, shoot off the mouth and then get, you know, fined by the SEC and have to give up his chairmanship because of, uh, of his statements. Whereas Tesla hasn't really, I mean, they make a good car, right? By all accounts, people love their product, but they haven't really like put their money where their mouth is, whereas Apple has time over time. But I, I do agree with your macro point that I think they are often held to unfair standards. But I would push back a little bit and say, I also feel like in some ways, this is proof of what a lot of people said, you know, in the beginning, which um, unlike Apple, like when, when when Apple famously entered the smartphone market, um, the, the then CEO of Palm, um, Ed uh, uh, Calligan said, you know, uh, PC guys aren't just going to waltz in here. They're not just going to, you know, do this. And it, it became this, this, this much kind of like derided quote, because of course, that's exactly what happened. Um, but people have made the same critiques of Tesla and said, hey, getting, you know, like mass production up and running for a car line is hard. And I think that what's happened this with, with the Model 3 is that, yeah, it's hard. And this is maybe one of those cases where maybe a little less hubris and, and, and working more with, you know, um, existing, you know, people who knew what they were doing with supply chains might have led to a different result. I don't know. Um, just because the car is electric and not, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, in, you know, combustible or whatever the the, the term is, like whatever type of engine based, like doesn't mean that the the manufacturing part is that different. And um, you know, I think starting something up from the ground up is is difficult, and um, for, for for good or for bad. And and Tesla hasn't been able to to ramp up as quickly. At the same time, though, in fairness looking back throughout history of like other like attempts at starting up car companies, I don't know how many have without like the great assist of like a GM or a Ford or somebody have been able to, you know, get into mass production any faster. I don't know. I don't know. So maybe they shot themselves in the foot a little bit, but they're still running. They're moving in the right direction. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel like this is, this is super disappointing, obviously. And like my, Feelings that Elon Musk should stop being on Twitter and stop talking. Uh, aside, I support the existence of these cars and also success and innovation in yeah. this market. Like that's very important. So it is it's disappointing that they weren't able to kind of fulfill this promise, not just for their own the sake of their own stockholders, but also for the sake of electric cars being seen as financially viable. And yeah. um, available yeah. to people <laughs> in the hands Al- of the people who've bought them. Although I think that that has actually worked. I think that the you can we, Tesla deserves a huge amount uh, of of um, you know credit for kind of saving what the old vision of the electric car was and really forcing mm-hmm. the majors into getting into it. Whether Tesla ultimately you know succeeds or, or, or fails, I think they deserve a huge amount of credit. Let me ask you guys this because I'm not sure about this, um, and maybe uh, listeners can can chime in. Do you know, because you mentioned that, you know, the tax credits are gone and in yeah. some, some markets, they're already gone. Do you know if people had already put down a down payment for a Model 3 and if it hadn't been delivered, if they still get their tax credit or is that gone 
now that now that they've now that 2018 is well, over. It's only half. It's not gone. I would imagine. I would have to imagine Tesla would honor it because if you write a contract with a car dealer when you're buying a new car, like that's what you agree to. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not separate. I'd love for listeners to write in, but that that whole point, Christine. I want to talk a little bit more about that before we move on. This is a really interesting question to me because uh, what what the federal government was doing was giving you a seven thousand five hundred dollar tax credit to Tesla, and this is for the purpose of getting more EVs on the road. It's being partially sunsetted, and you're getting the only the uh, what's the number? It is uh, three thousand something dollars for it now mm-hmm. because they've shipped two hundred thousand of these. And for me, on one hand, it's like I'm kind of uncomfortable with the idea of like, you know, our taxes, you know, basically subsidizing buying Teslas. Like the goal is to get more manufacturers to get more of these cars out on the road. But at the same time, it's like we've really got to move to EVs as soon as possible. And maybe this is a good use of our, our tax money. How about the V feel about that? A brief note on the credits. I I googled uh, and I NBC News says it's because Tesla sold the two hundred thousand two hundred thousandth battery car in July, buyers continue to be eligible for incentives on vehicles delivered before the end of the year. Oh, during okay. the first half of twenty nineteen, they'll be reduced to thirty seven fifty. So yeah. yeah, the original tax credit eligible if it's delivered by the end of twenty eighteen. Um, that's really fr- that that's really frustrating. Yeah. Like I could imagine that if you're somebody who pre-ordered years ago and did it in part because of that tax credit and then your car is not going to be that that would annoy the heck out of me. But but to your point Bree, I mean I'm actually a big I'm, I'm a big favor of this sort of tax credit and and incentive because you're right we do need to get off of EV. I mean off of ga- uh, off of oil and ICUs, and we need to get onto yeah. EV and and we, we we need to get onto that and I feel like this is what will um do that. I also feel like you know, okay, so it's a tax credit, but if we have more of these cars on the road, then that's going to incentivize more, you know, people to create, um, you know, uh, charging stations and and other types of things, which will just aid the entire economy around cars. Mm -hmm. So I live, you know, I live in Seattle and I work in in Redmond and and Bellevue, Redmond, um, which are just like across the the lake, uh, is one of like the most per capita, like, Tesla places, like I think outside of San Jose, you have like the most Teslas that like in, in Bellevue, go figure. And we have electric charging stations at work, not just for Teslas, but for people who have other cars too. And you see them more frequently at places. And I think that's a really good thing. Like we, we need to have more of that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the only way you do that is by getting more cars on the road. And one of the only reasons you get more people on the road is to give them a tax, you know, incentive to, to get off gas. And according to this, the NBC article, uh, the Chevy Bolt also mm-hmm. has tax credits, which, which which will be cut by mid-2019, and the Leaf also does, um, and they'll be affected later. They're all on different, you know, they're all in their own cycles. So I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, obviously, Tesla is not the only company that has that kind of tax credit. I'm very, very pro just making this as accessible as possible. Oh, Yeah. I mean, it's it's like people, it, it's to the benefit of the United States economy, because the sooner we get more EVs out there, the sooner like mechanic shops are going to invest in like training their workers mm-hmm. to service these kinds of cars, the sooner we're going to have like this autonomous vehicle standards, and you know, the sooner more places are going to invest in EV charging stations, like the, the, there's all kinds, of, this benefits the entire economy in so many ways. And just to say this again, 
like the UN report, we have 12 years to really come up with a very serious plan for global warming or we're going to be facing some catastrophic changes. So, yeah, if we have to give uh, Elon Tesla a little bit of tax money, I'm comfortable with that. (sighs) Well, on that bright note, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by our friends at Hover, who are celebrating their 10-year anniversary this January. It's January, right now. Yay! Happy birthday, Hover! Happy birthday. With Hover, you can find the domain that shows the world who you are and what you are passionate about. I'm passionate about birthdays. Birthday. Hmm. Let's see. Birthday, birthday. Hmm. Bree, we can set up a site for you that's birthday.democrat. Yes! Holy crap. Okay, I've got I've got birthdaygroup.com for 12.99. There are so many uh a TL, I almost said TLDRs. TLDs <laughs> to choose from uh if you are looking for birthdays uh and some of them are extremely affordable and some of them are absurd and you don't want them but Hover makes that information immediately visible and available to you. What happens um, if I look I'm, up? I'm a big fan of birthday.mom. I, I want to point that oh out. It's not quite God. affordable, but but birthday.mom is really good. So somebody I should buy it. that from Hover. It's $150, but I think it's worth it. Everyone on, should be required it. to like give that away on, on a, year, a daily basis. Once your mom's birthday is over, you have to give that one to someone else and let them make a website for their <gasps> yes. mom's oh birthday. Oh my God, that's a really good idea. Just like a pass it on. That's really good. Hey, so I searched for Hover in on Hover, and the site didn't explode. So that's that's a good sign right there. So I, I really enjoy Hover. I love using their interface. It is extremely easy to go through all the choices for TLDs. They're organized by, like, what kind they are. Do you want a fun and unique one? Do you want, like, a normal one? Are you doing a, a food website for some reason that has the word Hover in the name? Um, because that's what I'm looking up. Okay, I can see all of the food options right here. Um, and they're sorted. I can see their prices immediately. I can add them to my cart. Um, it's just it's so it looks so neat. It looks so easy to use, and it makes it really easy to figure out a domain that works for your project, the idea that you are going to put out into the world. And the great thing about Hover is that they allow you to keep your domains separate from your hosting, so you never have to get stuck with a hosting service that does not meet your needs. No one will disappoint you. Let me tell you a few other things. They have a Hover Connect feature that allows you to connect your domain name to many website builders with just a few simple clicks. So again, you can get up, you can get that domain, and then you can get up and running on the builder of your choice. Uh, and they also, uh, you, can ha- you can have a personalized email that matches your domain to further support your online identity so that people know that you are not a fake and a liar. And you can add as many mailboxes as you want to any domain. So those are very easy ways that they make your life generally better with their service. Have I mentioned... That they're celebrating their 10-year anniversary this January! And they're putting out some awesome promotions from January 16th to January 30th. They will be doing .com domains for $10. $10 domains for email. $10 domain transfers. And there will even be some 99-cent domains. And I am actually incredibly excited to know what the heck those are. 
Christina, do you want to tell me what you just sent me? I found it. No, I I found it. I didn't. I didn't want to interrupt the ad read. I was going to let you finish and then share that I found the the best the best domain. Well, it's too late now. I need you to tell everyone what you did. Um, Birthday dot sex is available for only eighty nine ninety nine. Or you could have birthdayfest dot com for twelve ninety nine. Don't be nasty. <laughs> <laughs> so, Don't, are like, you just catching on fire as you're trying Christina for that? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry, but I found it yeah. and I couldn't. I had to share this with Rocket listeners. I appreciate that. Oh, Birth man, sex. It's a really good domain. It's a yeah. really good domain. And I wouldn't have known that this was even an option if it weren't for Hover's fantastic uh, user interface. So what thank you, you Hover. Happy put, birthday. What would you even put there? I mean, I think we all know what we would put there, Brie. Okay. Okay. That's true. Just a, it's a. It's actually a okay. one question quiz. A picture of Jesus and yeah, just just, just <laughs> that's true. Just, yep. So okay. no, it's, you, it's, it's, it's no, it's a redirect to a certain hub. That's all. It oh is. my god! Oh, okay. If you are interested in learning more about Hover, uh, we'll keep watching their their website and social media to see when these offers go live. And you can also go to hover dot com slash ten years to find out more. And I'm going to spell that out for you. Hover H O V E R dot com slash one zero years thank you hover for your support of this show and relay fm so i bet we skip topic two and go straight to dessert since we i agree like 55 minutes <laughs> yes i agree too <laughs> brianna Woo. oh simone i've waited all christmas to talk to you about this you've barely waited because you've been sending those dms know. you've been slipping into <laughs> our rocket dms i'm so excited i have to play this now like i've literally okay. like I, I added this to my to my cart i'm just trying to decide what platform i want to play it on i, I think ps4 so okay. all right, talk about it yes okay so i have given simone so much static on rocket it's about true. her love of assassin's creed I've called it dumb. I've called the games mm-hmm. repetitive. You have. I, You're like, I've I'm bored with so it. Real. Yeah. I've called Simone a fundamentally bad person. For yeah, definitely. So many accusals, <laughs> mean letters yeah. in the mail. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And this game was on sale uh, with the Xbox Gold for 40 bucks over Christmas. And I'm like, well, I'm going to play it just to see if I can like tease Simone <laughs> about how bad this game is. Now, I'm like 80 hours later into this game. I've been staying up to like 4 a.m. playing this game. This, I love this game so much, Simone. I love this game. Eat crow, Brianna. (laughs) Okay, I was wrong. I was wrong. So I want Rocket listeners to know why Assassin's Creed is so good and it's well worth your time. I want to hear you tell me. Okay, so the, 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 the... the gun part of Destiny is a really well-built part of that game, even though you should not play Destiny 2. But it's like <laughs> this constant loot grind to get new weapons. Uh, and the way that they've implemented it here in this game, like, yes, you're mindlessly killing people for hours upon hours on end, but you're constantly getting loot from them. And even if you're not getting legendary or epic gear, you can break it down and use those parts to like get better gear. So as you're leveling up your character, there's this beautiful progression of getting these awesome weapons at the same time. And you find yourself saying like, oh, I'm going to like push it a little bit harder to get this epic like bow that I just unlocked so I can finally start playing with it. But on top of that, the story 
of this Assassin's Creed is really good. It's not like Assassins versus Templars. It's a really small like story about a family torn apart mm-hmm. that's done mm-hmm. in a really compelling way. Um, and the part of it I will admit that I like is Cassandra is the most predatory lesbian in gaming <laughs> history. Only she if you make so her that bad. way. Okay, well, and you should because she's amazing. And you should. you should. I mean, obviously, yeah. She is. She is like okay. So it's like Captain gets her boat like burned to a crisp. So it's like oh, that's sad. Want to smash? Like you know, <laughs> like, like a woman. She's like oh, I'm trying to follow my father's footsteps, have my own great odyssey. Oh, that's great. Uh, hey, let's go to my boat and smash. And there's like a <laughs> prostitute that's uh, I'm sorry, sex worker. Um, older sex worker is trying to get it back. Like, you know, on the path with her husband and she like gets you to go get some aphrodisiacs. What do you do with that those aphrodisiacs? Smash, Smash. with the sex worker. Like you're hooking up with this hot like rebel fighter. Oh, this is the best part. So there's a rebel fighter in this game that looks like uh what was the reporter from uh Zoe Barnes from House yeah. of Cards? Oh my god. Oh she my god. She looks like her. Heck yeah. And you've just killed <gasps> her father. And you tell her their father's dead, and that's like and then you oh, smash and then it's like oh, let's go smash on the beach and, 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 yeah. and, then, and then you then you like put your arm around and you're like yeah i know you're really depressed yeah i know it's really sad let, 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 let me make, make you feel better, better. <laughs> yes, oh my god predatory les like your journey through shameless. ancient greece is so magical i i'm into I'm it i'm so excited about this and what i love about this is that this is like simone did haven't you perfectly made purposely like made your cassandra like not like she's like almost celibate. It feels wrong. It, it's never <laughs> it the right which, 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 which to me, which to me, I'm like, no, no. Like the, the whole reason that I've like been thinking about buying this game was so I could like have Cassandra like live out my all of my fantasies. <laughs> so you know, I'm I'm so glad that Bree is like doing like the Lord's work and having her <laughs> you know like smash like with impunity. Over. Absolutely. Sandra is engaging in activity that I have cheer-led men getting me tooed for. <laughs> so just no, saying. Like, like, that's what she's doing. She's like, oh, you want to come work on my boat? All right. <laughs> Here's, in fairness, in fairness, this is a video game, so yeah, it's yeah. it's fine. Yeah. It's a power fantasy. <laughs> my great, my okay, Bree. So because uh, of my hurt arms and my inability to regulate my play, I took a long break. I had so far one chance to sleep with Alcibiades, the mm-hmm. disastrous bisexual he's, military he's leader. Horrible. For he's Athens. horrible. I love I, him, I, but really? I turned it down. Because, again, again, I felt it was wrong for the moment. But I want a second shot. Do you know if I will get a second shot at tapping that? Well, I said no very... So, like, the way you meet this bisexual general is you're at a party. And you just, like, open up this door. And you're sitting there and it's just, like, briefs. And that's it. And he's like, hey, you want to come join me for this orgy? And I'm like, gross, dude. I don't even know you. Also, I'm like, and then you turn to Odessa and you're like, so, uh, yeah, your dad just died. Want to smash? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But I don't know. It was the way he, I, he just didn't do it for me. And we've got to talk now that I've played with Herodotus, like, Oh my God, my lover. I've got to talk about your assessment of Herodotus being hot. Because I don't agree with that. He like, has sensitive eyes, Bree. Okay, but 
Okay. He, he te- Cassandra he- can do better. Oh my god. Can she? Can any of us? Let me tell you. You he he's an older gentleman who has he's well traveled, he's very wise. She is a a strong uh very capable young lady who is seeing the world for the first time. They have an intriguing dynamic. He is a, a guide and a semi-mentor slash kind-eyed hottie who is always on your boat, but you can't smash. What? What? Why can't you smash? Well, because she's like, got three girls in the captain's cabin. <laughs> <laughs> There's no more rooms. She's not. It's not that big a boat. She's been busy. So. Uh, I, okay. I'm, okay. Uh, yes. Okay. So, question: Should I buy like the deluxe or the ultimate or like yes. is the standard? Okay. Yes. Which one? You should. Uh, you should buy like so. It's got the the time saving things in it. You absolutely want that because there's so much freaking grinding in this game. I've gone to so many regions and you have to like take over these. Uh, these like fortresses and you'll find yourself like literally slaughtering people for like 20 minutes straight because you're trying to do it all stealthily and eventually like an alarm gets rained and then it's like mercenaries are coming and they keep coming and i i swear i've sat there on like just a 20 minute killing spree like cassandra is a serial killer (laughs) that's the truth all right all right i can't wait for you to get to the dlc brie yeah. Okay. Okay. So, question on this then, because it's like thirty bucks. If yep. I get like the standard, should I buy that and then buy like whatever the upgrade is on top of that, or should yeah. I spend like the? That's completely legit. That's okay. completely legit. Be- the yeah. reason I ask is because it's like seventy five dollars for the deluxe and like hundred dollars for the gold. And I feel and I it's feel like if I can get the the, yeah. the the standard for thirty bucks on sale, then I should do that. Yeah, that's, that's oh, a legit that's way true. to do it. Yeah. I bought the standard edition and just bought the the things on top of it. Okay, so. perfect. That's mm-hmm. what I'll do then. And 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 PS4 or Xbox One. I play it on PS4 and I love it. But Brie, I I don't think there's been many problems reported with either uh, either actually, edition. Actually, I can tell you, my Xbox version has crashed not once, not twice, not three times, but eight times and has brought down really? the entire console. Then I would go with PS4 because I have not had a problem. Okay. Done. Wow. We've sold a video game, ladies and gentlemen. Congratulations to us. But yeah, I'm so glad you like it. I, I think we can all agree that they have like greatly upgraded the combat and that loot system that you mentioned earlier. I usually hate futzing with inventory and menus and stuff, but I love this. I love breaking down weapons for parts, and I love upgrading my beautiful golden weapons, and I love hoarding all the weapons that have special names and never selling them, despite the fact that I should probably sell them for money to buy more wood to upgrade my weapons. Um, oh god, I can't wait to get back to it. It's so good. I'm I'm level 49, so, you know, now I get to start working on the, uh, you know, the story content and actually finish it. Thank you for your penitence. All right. I have a quick announcement before we go into, this is not an announcement. It's another sponsored content ad read before we go into what we're doing this week. Uh, This episode of rocket rocket is brought to you by one month.com. 50% of the best paying jobs now call for the ability to code. One month.com is a great way to learn how to code in just one month. 
Their courses have helped over 60,000 students go from knowing zero about coding to building programs in languages like Python, Ruby, and JavaScript. OneMonth.com graduates have gone on to get jobs at prestigious startups like Airbnb, Instagram, and Spotify. Their courses are easy to follow with step-by-step video tutorials. They are instructor-led with weekly assignments reviewed by your instructor, and they are results-driven with each student graduating the course with a portfolio of projects to show prospective employers. Plus, you'll get a certificate of completion. If you're interested in taking your career to the next level, listen up. For a limited time, head to onemonth.com slash rocket to get 10% off of any coding course. That is onemonth.com slash rocket to get 10% off any coding course. Which I personally think is a great idea, even if you're not like going to be a coder, because knowing a bit about that, knowing about all these different subjects and languages can be super useful for any job. Thank you to onemonth.com for their support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. I think anyone can benefit from learning to code. Like it's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it helps you in critical problem solving. It teaches you to re-examine your assumptions and you'll be a better team member if you work in technology at all, if you can like communicate with coders. Like, it, yes, absolutely. Being able to understand the challenges that they face and like the struggles that they're going through and why things sometimes things don't work and why you can't have things immediately sometimes is so useful. Yeah, I agree. And I would also say that kind of on the flip side, especially if you're somebody who isn't coming from a coding background and you're learning coding, you have a huge advantage of knowing how to maybe explain things in non-technical terms that when you then communicate like with other people, like you get like the best of both worlds. Yeah. So it's really good. Like, like both to be able to help um, people and also like, be able to communicate with with your other you know programmers and know what they're doing but also if you want to be like on the opposite side and be like i can help translate things because i know what both these things are it's really good yes well uh like i said you can check that out at one month.com slash rocket to get 10 percent off any coding course now, Brianna Wu, tell me what you are up to this week. Uh, honestly, I'm not doing anything super fun this week. Uh, I have just spent the last few days with my uh, nieces and family in Connecticut. I'm heading back to Boston. I'm ready to get to work on campaigning in 2019 and win this mofo. Yeah. Christina, what about you? So uh, I just, uh, I'm going back to work after having like 10 days off. So I'm super stoked about that. Um, We did not get to talk about this in depth in our dessert because we were too obsessed with Cassandra, which is fair. But if you have not watched Taylor Mm -hmm. Swift's The Reputations uh, uh, tour on Netflix, you should. Even if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, you will be a fan of this documentary, which I think is, I've seen all of her tour movies. It's the best one by far. It's just the straight up show. Like there are no interviews or interstitials or anything. It's just like the amazingness of that show. And I will say, I've said this before, I was a big fan of the Reputation album, but not like it's not my favorite album. And then when I I became a bigger fan after I saw the stage show twice, because I felt like it became clear to me, at least in my interpretation, that like the album was kind of designed for like visual consumption at the in, in tour form. And so everyone should should watch it. It's in 4K. It's really good. Nice. So, uh, I'm going to watch so, it. So check I that out. I'm going to watch it and I'm going to get back You definitely should. I mean, 
Well, because here's the thing, like you really get to see her artistry, like you get to see, you know, she's gotten better with the dancing, you get to see like her acoustic on guitar, you get to see her on piano, you get to see like just the ridiculous like production stuff that goes into it. Like it's insane. So um, I enjoyed that. But uh, yeah, I'm going back to work. So uh, that's what I've been up to this week. But uh, I'm excited about that. Um, it, it all, all good things must come to an end. I've been playing a lot of video games. I've uh, been, been playing the heck out of my PS4. I'm, I'm, I just bought Assassin's Creed Odyssey, so that will <laughs> no, be here next really? week. I'm very excited. Yes. I'm so happy for you uh, and for me to get to hear more about Assassin's Creed from another convert. Um, what am I doing this week? Like I said, I am going to France to visit my dad because I, a fool, booked two trips literally back to back. I got back on Sunday um, which I think I, I did with the intention that, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to work. And then on, like, Thursday night, I'm going to fly to France, forgetting, of course, that we did not work on Monday or Tuesday. So now I uh, I have, I have like, a day and a half in the office before I'm leaving again, and I feel awful. Um, but the very exciting thing that happened last week was that my mom had a surprise wedding. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. It, I was so shocked i was yeah that's the appropriate reaction to your mom's surprise wedding she got us so good she lied to all of us except her husband and her sister and my brother's uh girlfriend who she told to make sure that my brother would like show up and behave uh but tristan and i were extremely surprised she arranged a whole dinner that never happened she made a lasagna that was a lie it was incredible it was very beautiful i'm very happy for her yeah that's so good yay simone shocking mom shocking news so like what was your reaction when you found out that this was happening i started screaming oh my god oh my god (laughs) (laughs) Uh, fortunately i already had my camera out because i was taking pictures of the beautiful view um and then she freaking emerged from from like down the hill with a veil on and i was like live reaction from me it was very good um (laughs) just i I was such an idiot she fooled me so badly you guys anyway my mom is a genius i am a fool um and she's also married now so congratulations congrats yeah um wow where can we find you online brianna uh, you can find me at Space Cat. No, Brianna Wu on Twitter. And you can also find me on Facebook at Developer Brianna Wu. Nice. What about you, Christina? You can find me at Film underscore Girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can find the videos that I do at work, which will be back starting this week at uh, YouTube.com slash Microsoft Developer. Excellent. And you can find me at YouTube.com slash Polygon and also at um, Twitter.com slash Doomquasar. <laughs> Um, where I promise I will log back in one day to promote the things that I do and tell you what I am up to. If you enjoyed this show, please do consider reviewing it on Apple Podcasts because that will help people find it and enjoy it. It will raise our, our visibility and then everyone will know our opinions and the world will be a better place. Uh, yeah, this episode of Rocket is terminated one hour 16 minutes and terminated terminated <laughs>